You are listening to Wait a Minute with Beth and Jessica, episode 68. I'm Jessica Pearson, certified life coach. And I'm Beth Barnett Babel, integrative nutrition therapist. Hello, hello. Welcome and happy new year. As we all know, this is the time of year where a lot of people, maybe you, start to reflect about how your next year is going to look. And we start making promises to ourselves about how we're going to change. And that's great. However, sometimes this can keep us stuck in this cycle of maybe it's unrealistic planning and that can lead to discouragement and That part can really suck. We're all for aiming high and dreaming big. And in that process, you got to find a way to be nice to yourself. Yes. And I also want to note that you do have permission to stay the same. So it can be really easy to get caught up because everybody's making these changes and proclamations or what have you. But you don't have to change anything if you don't want to. But if you are thinking about it, we are going to be talking about the phases of making changes and are going to give you some things to think about, some good questions to reflect on and ask yourself so that if you do want to make a change, you could be a little bit more successful this year. And I will also say is that normally about this point is where we would dish out fresh commentary about ads in diet culture, but we're going to skip that so we can go more in depth on our topic today. And to be fully transparent, I don't know that I have a lot in my algorithm anyway. I'm sure it's coming for us in the new year. So I think we'll have some fresh things to talk about next time. Oh, it's it's happening to me. I okay, have good. some things in the queue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Today, we are talking about making behavioral change, which of course converts to those tangible physical results type change that everybody talks about this time of year. And When looking this up, there's several theories of trying to figure out how do people go from point A to point B? Like this is something that has actually been studied by many people over the last several decades. So we're first going to cover a theory that is called the trans-theoretical model or TTM. And this was developed in the 70s by psychologists who were studying people who wanted to quit smoking. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And these are kind of more the basic linear steps, although, of course, change is not always linear. And I researched other methods because I wanted to include some other concepts. There's one that had a lot of stuff that we do in our work, and this one was called Integrated Behavioral Model, which is less linear, but it's got more stuff that's more applicable to what we do with clients. So first, we're going to talk about the steps of the TTM model, and then we'll discuss some of the IBM stuff. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds good. Sounds great. The TTM model is something I learned so many times in school through undergrad and then in graduate school and all of the things because that was my major was related to health promotion behaviors. But you know what's interesting is this is also the model that you're taught in business marketing. Oh, is it really? It's like the stages of awareness and buying too. So it's interesting how it applies across the board. So the first one is pre-contemplation. So in this state of pre-contemplation, you're not thinking about a change that you need to make. So it's not in your awareness or things that you think that you should be doing. You might be hearing messages from your outer world about these topics, but you're like, well, it doesn't really apply to me. 
And so it's not necessarily a problem, which I think is interesting. Sometimes people come like wanting to take action, but they're actually kind of in this phase. They're not even aware of what their actual problem is. Maybe they're just hearing that message and wanting to apply it, but they're, they haven't figured out what the actual issue for them is. So that's pretty simple, pretty basic. If you're in pre-contemplation, you're probably not even listening to this podcast. So we'll just move on. <laughs> so then the next one, I always like this one. It's contemplation, which is that you have some awareness and you start to recognize that you have something, a problem or something that you want to change. And you start weighing those pros and cons of change and thinking what it might be like. And so, but you're not really there yet. It's just starting to like percolate mm -hmm. in your mind about, oh, to me, I think this is like a phase that people can stay in for a long time or it might be very short. So know that these stages, while they are considered linear, you can go back and forth between them and you can stay in them for a long time. And contemplation is often one that people are in for a long time. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think sometimes we can get a little stuck here. Because maybe if you're weighing out pros and cons, especially when it comes to making changes with your health or adding movement, you might be thinking that the way that needs to look is very different than it could look, right? So maybe you're holding yourself back from the next phase of getting information because you're like just assuming the worst kind of. And so yeah. we can get kind of stuck in our head. And of course, not everybody is ready to take the next step and that's okay. Like, I think it's important to notice how do I feel in this phase? Am I holding myself back or is it okay that I'm still here? But I think a good question is maybe like, what's maybe holding me back from taking the next step of getting more information? Like just being able to examine that and ask yourself or maybe what's stopping me from making a decision, even if it's a no, because sometimes we're just like living in the maybe too long. And to me, that can be kind of toxic. We can be hard on ourselves in that phase if we're living in the maybe because no is just as powerful as yes. If you're like, you know what, I actually don't want to change and that's okay. Right. Feel free to contemplate, but, you know, maybe just check yourself if you've been here too long. If you notice that you have been doing this about something in particular, then maybe think back, well, how long have I been here for? Is this something that I really need and want to do? Because maybe... The reason why you're not moving forward to this next step is because it's not in congruence with what you really want yes. or need at this time. Like maybe it's for something later, but you could focus on it at another time. Or yeah. maybe it's just not something that is for you, even though it seems like it because everybody else is doing it. Totally. And how much brain power are you putting towards this? Like how hard are you contemplating? Because if it's something you're thinking about a lot, but maybe you don't want to do it, like that's good to know. Because, yeah, you can free up so much <laughs> mental and emotional energy just by letting it go. Yes. Let it go. The next one is then you're ready to go into preparation stage. And so these individuals have decided that they're going to change and they begin to make those steps towards making a change, which is gathering information, setting goals or making that 1% starting like what's going to be my 1% and developing that plan of action. Mm -hmm. So. This is one of those phases where it tends to be short, but can get stuck here because we think that we need to be perfect in creating this plan of action. But really all we need to do is just make one thing. 
this part of preparation too is you've made a decision, hopefully, right? So in contemplation, you're not, you haven't decided by this point. You're like, I have decided that this is what I'm going after, which I think is so powerful because once you've decided, then you're not going to let that one setback cause you to quit. And so that's actually a question I ask people before we work together is, have you decided this is really what you want? And that's kind of a trick question because people are like, what do you mean if I decided? I'm kind of testing the waters. Like, are you really ready? Because even if they're willing to decide on that call that this is really what you want, it right. can be really, really powerful because it is not linear, like we mentioned, and it is not always easy. And so if you haven't decided and you're still on the fence, but you're trying to take action and that action doesn't go the way you think you should, that's when you quit. So we're like jumping ahead before we've made the commitment to it. So I think that just being able to realize, yeah, this is going to be small steps and I'm willing to take one small step at a time is really, really valuable. And then also, like you said, it doesn't have to be all the change. <laughs> so the thing about being stuck in the, it, it can look like action. So all that planning and preparation can look like action towards it, but it's not actually action yet. Yes. That's a good way to put it. If you feel like you're taking action, you're like, I think I'm doing things. Yes. But it's not really, it's not really doing so. Right. So it is important to create the plan because without a plan, we kind of falter around as well. But so we need the preparation, but not too much preparation that it makes it look like we're actually doing the thing. Yeah. And then wondering why we're not getting the results. Yes. Yes. Because we're kind of stuck in preparation. Yes. And sometimes we tend to over plan. Like that's what being stuck there looks to. You're like, I have to have the perfect plan. Like I'm going to overhaul my whole life this week and it's got to go. And you're like, no, that's, you know, so there's a lot of work there. I think we do with clients of like, how do we just do the 1%? Like it doesn't need to be everything. So. All right, take us into the next one. We're rambling. Okay, so the next one is action. So here you're finally doing the do it. Yeah. So you've taken all of the, the steps that you've made th thus far, and that now you are doing the doing, and you're starting the new habits. And so this is where individuals will actively start to modify their behavior, maybe their experiences or their environment to overcome whatever it is that they're trying to change or whatever they perceive as the problem. And so this will often involve implementation of those specific strategies that you prepared for and may require a significant commitment of time and energy because you're trying to rewire your brain. And so that's why it feels so difficult because you're trying to rewire that and it feels like a whole lot of energy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is, I mean, modifying behavior is a big deal. And there t that takes a lot of awareness to get to that point. And also when we're talking about the 1%, right, there's actually a lot of little behaviors that have to change. So you're not taking action across the board of every behavior you have all at once, which is why this really isn't linear because you're going to you're going to get 1% change, you're going to change one small habit, and then you might have to go through the whole process again. So but action does feel good, too. You're like, I'm doing it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then so what sometimes can happen, and it's perfectly normal, is that you begin to take action and then you see that there might be some tweaks. And so you might need to make some changes. And so you might go back into preparation. Yes. And so you can go back and forth because you see this didn't work in the way that I expected. 
um, what have you. And so you might find that you have to go back to prep depending on what is the thing that you're trying to change. And was it too much? Was it not enough? Was that the right thing for me in my daily life? So do know that this in the beginning, you can go waver back and forth between action and preparation. Yeah. And also, if you're not taking action, I mean, that's kind of our whole shtick is like, how can I help you take action? It's not always just because like your plan sucks, right? There could be what you're believing about yourself. And so we're going to talk more about that after this next step. So give us that last step. Number five is maintenance. So now the new habits are integrated. Yes. And so it doesn't feel like it is so much time and energy because you've been doing it long enough and have found the things that truly work for you that now you're in the maintenance phase and it involves sustaining the change made during your action stage. And so people work to prevent relapse into their previous behaviors and will consolidate the gains that they've achieved. And this is the stage that is super important for the long-term success because sometimes this is where things go awry is staying in the maintenance phase. So they'll go in and out of it. And so then they're constantly in the prep and action stage. And so to me, this is the the hardest of them all is because it's very easy to slip back. Ah, And I don't know if it's like awry because I think sometimes it's normal that we have phases of not wanting to do the doing, right? Like we're not robots. And it's like, what is maintenance? Maintenance isn't necessarily perfection. I think it just comes to be like your new base minimum or your new base your minimum baseline that's what i'm trying to say the other thing is these are based off of people trying to quit smoking (laughs) and the maintenance is not ever smoking again right right so if we apply it to what we are good at and helping people with eating and lifestyle behaviors then those are going to be kind of all over the place we're never going to be a hundred percent getting many several cups of vegetable day and like not excess of yeah. anything and like so that is not really we have to put it in context as to yeah. what the thing is i had a day last week where i literally just ate carbs all day it's not my norm but i was like yeah. i leaned in i was like this is what i want and this is what's happening but i don't make it mean oh my god my maintenance is over and i failed it's, i don't have to go through all those right. steps again i'm just like there's some ebbs and flows that's okay. Yeah, I think maintenance is an interesting place because I was thinking about this the other day as well because I'm totally off on my schedule and what's happening in my life. And so I'm doing, you know, my doing as close as I can to my normal, but there's some aspects of my normal life that can't happen. But what I'm still technically in maintenance because I know that I'm going to be there. It just, it can't happen right now. Yeah. And so, but I'm also not making it mean that that's not part of my life. So I just like literally can't do it right now. So. Exactly. So we need to kind of think about those things. It's yeah. not black and white. Yeah. There are some shades of gray in here. Yes. This is not all or nothing. I think we just wanted to share these because I think if you can identify kind of where you are, it's going to help you figure out what's your next step. Right. So we said it before and we'll say it again. This process is not linear. You know, you're going to go back and forth between stages. And also, like Beth said, the timing, right? Your pace. 
between stages is going to be totally unique to you. So take this all with a grain of salt, right? <laughs> but let's discuss like a different theory. There's some, okay. there's other steps or concepts around change to factor in. So this is the IBM model, which stands for integrated behavior model. And this is developed by more psychologists and psychiatrists, right? And so one of them is like our attitudes, right? What is your attitude towards a specific action, behavior, or result? That's going to shape your overall success. So I don't know if you have a better example, but I was just thinking about you know, if you want to start moving your body more and you think about going to the gym, but your attitude towards the gym or the people at the gym is not a positive or even a neutral one, then that attitude alone is going to hinder your success from going to the gym. Yes. And I can also think of another That one is good. And I can also think of attitudes towards, well, I want to make the change, but is it really even going to matter? Yeah. Like, it's it's not worked before, so I don't know why I'm going to bother now, but I'm going to try. You know, like, just kind of that underlying self-defeat before you even get going. Yeah. Or as you get going. Yeah. Especially if it's something that you've been practicing, you know, in your life for a while. Yeah. So positive attitudes are associated with a higher likelihood of forming an intention to perform the behavior it doesn't have to be toxic positivity. I don't know about you. I mean, I have clients that are just like, I don't like moving my body. I don't want to walk. And that's tough because it's like, it is an attitude against something. And so it's, well, how are you going to reconcile this? I'm not saying you have to be positive about it, but how do we find neutrality? And I always use this example of like me doing laundry. Like my number one thing that I hate is moving things from the washer to the dryer. Right. <laughs> I can get there. For me, it's the dryer. It's, it's leaving yeah, yeah, the dryer. Yeah. We all have that thing, right? And it's like, I'm never going to feel positive about that. And that's okay. But I just have, it's like something I have to do. So sometimes we have to look at certain behaviors, like not positive. It's just going to be neutral. But if we can get to a positive place, or if at minimum, we can get rid of the negativity, like you're going to be better off. So that's attitude. <laughs> it doesn't, like you said, need to be positive, but one thing that when you were talking about neutral that I thought of is, can I be curious mm, in my attitude? So you know, so that's kind of, it's like, well, can I even be curious about what I want to do or about what's happening? So just like the curiosity that can, can come into it, the what ifs. Yeah, because that brings a lot more awareness with your curiosity and it's ideally curiosity without judgment, right? And then that might shift some things. So the next one is about your perceived norms, right? So what are the social norms or expectations, opinions from others regarding a certain behavior or outcome? So our social influence will play a role in shaping our behavior patterns and intentions. I mean, I can think of a lot of things, especially when it comes to eating, how the people around us shape the way that we eat or the choices we make with food and especially the norms in the United States and how we eat and commercials for it's like a pizza stuffed into a burger and deep fried and this is normal so eat this you know yeah. um, but it's it's well what is normal and right. and are you gonna be and are you okay to not be normal if that's what it requires like yeah and then who says where is that status of 
the norms. Like who yeah. says that it's normal? So, you know, what is normal now was not normal 40 years ago. And so there's that. And again, like you said, cultures within the United States, you know, cross culture um, worldwide. So there are going to be um, some, some norms that we have to kind of think, you know, question or look at and see where it fits in with what we want to continue to believe as normal as we go forward. I was wondering if you adopted any new norms from Japan. Like you went to Japan and you went through this whole phase of realizing that they eat smaller portion sizes than you're used to. Yeah. So are you living under that Japanese norm now or have you shifted back into regular? Yes. No, I, I'm definitely able to realize it's always something that I had thought of in the restaurant world about <laughs> what, you know, what is a normal food waste, size. yeah, food waste and things like that. And so now I'm much, much more in tune with, oh, this is really how much I need for a day to feel full and still feel good. But we'll see. Yeah. You yeah, know, you it's, know. That, it's that slippery yeah. side, but I think so. It changed my awareness yeah. I mean, we all are in our bubbles of what we grew up with or who surrounds us. And if we're not getting out of that bubble, we don't really know yeah. what other norms And are. I think what's so interesting is also the norms here around movement. People don't necessarily exercise per se. There's not like the gyms that I, you know, that I went to were not full and I didn't see runners everywhere. Yes, there were people running, at, you know, in different areas. But by and large, there still is a lot of candy and sweets and, you know, just a lot of food, just smaller portions. People just like walk all day. Mm -hmm. And here, I think that's one of the things is, is that the norm is not to walk wherever we need to go unless you live in one of those very urban cities, which is um, that's walkable, which are not that many. It's not where most people live. So, you know, I just kind of think about that and like, how can I make that a part of my norm? I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot, how, like, we can just all just move somewhere else where it's a whole new world if we want into. No, that's really scary. <laughs> which goes to this next one, right? It was, it, which is about your own personal agency, right? So this includes your self-efficacy and perceived control over whatever behavior we're talking about. And it also, it reflects your belief in your ability to successfully perform the behavior and to overcome obstacles so it's really this is about your belief in yourself and your your willingness to do it that's a tough one i feel like we talk about it how sometimes what we're selling is not so sexy because we're not going to do it for you right like i'm not right. going to tell you here's your 1400 calorie meal plan and this is exactly what you're going to eat and you're going to do 50 push-ups a day you know like and we don't guarantee <clears throat> results the results yeah. are not guaranteed. You know, it's like you'll change, but not the way you think. Right. Well, it's like so, what results? We're like, there will be a result. It just might not be the result. But it not <laughs> not what people like. I'm going to lose 20 pounds by working with this person. Right. 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 Yeah. So it's like, you might, well, yeah, but you might not. Which yeah. might totally change in a different way. Yeah. I think this one is so interesting, the, particularly the perceived control over the behavior. <laughs> Whether you have it or don't have it, you know, like, oh, I can't control X, Y, and Z. That is tough, man. That is like a really head scratcher in our current society. So I could see where this could trip a lot of people up. Yeah. That's where it's like, okay, what's the next step? How can we get around? How can we problem solve? But yeah, sometimes we can't problem solve. 
So I don't know. Would you say that people perceive that they have less control than they actually have or vice versa? I think people perceive that they don't have as much control as they really do. Yeah. 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 It's not going to sound nice, but it's true. So because we do have the demands of employers and families and things like that, but we actually don't have to technically do any of those things. So, right. Which people would be like, what do you mean? Like, I'm a single mom. Yeah. I have to go to work. I have to do these things. But it's- Yeah. And there are limits. And so the, the demands that get put on us are not. And the, what we say is, well, I have to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, you really don't. There are aspects of that, yes, but like to the to the degree that it's taken out, it doesn't have to be that way. Which I think goes into also evaluating your values and like really thinking about, you know, I think we go from you graduate school, you get a job, like you do these things and all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're like, I hate my life. <laughs> what if we could pause first? I mean, I get it because sometimes people are just so in it. They can't pause yeah. and they can't think about right. it. And so this is where maybe they're in that pre-contemplation, right? So, I mean, it is tough. It is tough. But I, I do think that's where like coaching and nutrition therapy can come in handy because we can help you see outside the box that you can't see out of. So Right. And yeah, and I do think it is challenging because it's so easy to get sucked into because the pace at which we are expected to move in life doesn't allow us to reflect in this space. And I think it's by design. Like there's not a lot of upside for millions of people being able to think critically and um, question authority, the, the norms, yeah. yeah, to question the norms. Beth coming in hot with the conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. I try to keep them light here, but they're strong. Uh, and you saw it during the pandemic where people were forced to be at home and they were like, oh, my God. So the Great Resignation is an example of where people got to slow down and think and reevaluate. Yeah, which is also coming from that place of privilege, right? Because not yeah. everyone can Yeah, not everybody that. can do it. So to me, something small is can I spend 10 minutes a day? Instead of yes. zoning out on memes. I feel like our phones definitely are our right, greatest yeah. challenge, right? It's, they're so great, but they're so awful. And so, yes, like, yeah. what if you just put the phone down for 10 minutes and stared at the wall? <laughs> yeah, it's really amazing. <laughs> yeah, it literally can be 10 minutes and then the other 20 minutes or however long you spend, you know, meme scrolling. But let's start to kind of peel away some of that to question some of those things. Yeah. Which This goes beautifully into the next one, too, which is about your self-identity. So this refers to the extent to which a behavior aligns with your own self-concept. And so if, you're, if a behavior is consistent with your existing identity, that's going to be really easy to do and adopt. But if it's something totally different from how you see yourself, then it's going to feel like a big attrition between where you are now to where you want to be. And that can be like a big perceived challenge, even though it might not be. It's that cognitive dissonance. Like, do I have cognitive dissonance with what I think and and identify as? I only just like in the last month was like, I am a mom. (laughs) Like my child is, my child is three (laughs) years old. I just finally feel like I am a mom. Like 
It took me a while to really integrate into this like title. I just never really identified as a mom. And now I'm like, okay, I got this. I'm a parent. <laughs> I don't know what it took me so long, but I think it's normal when we're making change, right? Because we talk to people who have lost a lot of weight. Their body has changed significantly, but they've always identified as like the fat kid. And now they're like, I'm not the fat person anymore. I don't know cognitively. But they still feel like they are, even yeah. though. It's like they don't know how to be the, the person in this body, right? And so it's kind of like just trying to make the mental jump into this new place. Or when we think about personal agency, sometimes I think of the self-identity of being busy. You know, when people are just like, I'm just so right. busy. They're just like, I'm a busy person. That's my identity. And they're like, right. Okay. Like, how is that helping you? <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, and I think that these things can bleed into each other. And so how is that bleeding into your identity? And are those true? Mm -hmm. Have you even thought about your own self-identity? I'm like, I don't, it's not something I sit around and think about, like, how do I identify as a person? What is my identity? Yeah. This isn't health related, but a really good example that I think a lot of people can see and relate to. So I follow Sharon McMahon, Americans, America's government teacher. And so she is so fascinating. So one of the topics that gets brought up a lot is in politics. One of the reasons why the people in Congress and the Senate become party lined Versus, you know, doing the right thing for the people, the thing that they were elected for and why they're staying for so long is that power becomes their identity. And so then they're unwilling to either change or go for a particular bill because even though it is the right thing to do for most Americans, because it's part of this identity of being a Republican or this type of Republican or this type of Democrat. And so, and also then not retiring and staying in office forever and ever because it is a part of their identity. Mm-hmm. And so then they can't let it that's go. And so that's kind of like a way if you take this out of the health world and just it's like kind of like their it. identity takes away their personal agency. Correct. Well, you know, we don't have to only think some of these concepts in health behaviors. It's like, who am I as a whole in terms of like my values, as you were saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have this last one, which is, I think it's really good. I know I've been here a lot, which is anticipated regret. So it's you're considering the potential negative emotions or regrets or outcomes that might arise from either performing a behavior, a new behavior, or the result that you find yourself in. And just the anticipation of that regret, right, can influence your behavior pattern. So, oh, I think I want to be this really healthy, fit person, but then what if this terrible thing happens to me? So I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Is this that same concept of failing ahead of time? Yeah, it's also kind of like that fear of success, maybe a little bit, where I'm worried because what will success mean? I'm not used to being successful in this area of my life. So if that changes, what will that mean for my life? Mm -hmm. But it also could be something as simple as people thinking like, oh, well, to get the result I want, maybe I can never have dessert again or something crazy, you know? And so then that anticipated regret of like, well, I don't want to be someone who's never eating sugar, so I'm just not even going to try to reduce it because that just sounds terrible. 
So I think it could be these micro things or it could be much bigger concepts, but it's just this idea of, yeah, I'm going to fail out of time. I'm just not going to do this because I think I'm going to have regret in the future if I do. Yeah, I I see this one most frequently in people that um, reducing alcohol consumption. Interesting. How so? What's their regret? Um, And so that if they do, then they can't have fun anymore. Yeah. That it's not fun. Like they'll be boring. Going out with their friends will be boring and awkward and weird because they're not um, partaking in alcohol or um, even reducing it to one or two. And in in an evening might be, you know, that's not as much fun. That's not what we do. That's not the thing. And so then there's regret over, over that potential it's that discomfort right you're like i anticipate there's going to be discomfort in this process and i don't want to feel discomfort so i'm just not going to do it right and as we tell everyone there is discomfort with change right and it's but there i think with great discomfort comes great gains too and when i say discomfort i'm not saying like suffering and restriction (laughs) like it's maybe not the kind of discomfort you would anticipate if you were in a contemplation phase, but just thinking about, yeah, maybe it is reducing by one drink or doing the 1%. Like it's just different. Making change is uncomfortable. I actually dropped my kid off today at daycare and he was in tears because he's going to the next class. And so he is in this place of discomfort of trying something new where he has to go be with some new friends and new teachers and was crying, hates it. But I'm like, this is a discomfort and this is part of life. And even though it's hard, like you're safe and you can do hard things. <laughs> so the better we can get at understanding discomfort and being willing to feel it at a safe level, then mm-hmm. we're going to get better results. Very good. Well, that was a lot of info for you. And so please take this information and use it for wherever you are and explore these ideas for wherever you think you might want to go take what might be helpful for you right now. And I think that these types of thoughts and ideas and information is good to repeat every once in a while to rehear because you're going to hear something else new and different for you in 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 another step. So and I'm going to make this a blog post, too, so that people can come back and, like, look at the words and walk yeah. through it whenever they want as well. So if you're a visual yes. person like me, maybe you need the blog. You know, just explore it all and just enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Or not. <laughs> yeah. Or not. You don't have to do any of or it. Or not. <laughs> well, I sure hope we gave you something new to think about today and helped you take one more step on your path to freeing yourself from diet culture Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at path underscore nutrition. We are both taking new clients for 2024. So no matter where you are, we can meet you where you're at with options that work best for you. Get started now by going to our website, pathnutrition.com to learn more and get started. Bye, everyone. Bye.